0: Welcome to another edition of Toby Heddoke's Who's Round. We're about to catch me interviewing somebody in cold blood. Oh, well it's a sunny day, which is a rare thing in the UK, so we're making the most of it by hiding indoors, and I'm going to ask my next victim who's used to actually being underground for centuries, so he doesn't mind
1: uh, who he is and why I'm talking to him about Doctor Who. Hello, this is Richard Hope, uh, playing Malachay from uh, the Silurian Monsters.
0: Yeah, and it strikes me as you were one of those actors that
1: perhaps should have been in Doctor Who first time round and never quite were. Um, I don't know, maybe, yeah, I was sort of, uh, lots of people I met, and I worked a lot with the Science Fiction Theatre of Liverpool Mm. with Ken Campbell, Uh, And I played the original Ford Prefect in the stage play of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and got on very well with Douglas Adams. We were all going to be in it, but then he fell out with Chris Langham at the time, who was then uh, Arthur Dent. Dent, uh, And he invented a lot of towel work, which they then used in the TV and film version. But we did do a lot of stuff with nothing. So we did flying in space, we just had harnesses, but it was done at the ICA, and we, we blew up the lobby before we um, started, everybody had a, we were handed a pan-galactic gargle blaster. So the world of science fiction has always proved wonderful for me.
0: Well, and Ken Campbell is one of those Doctor Whos that never was, because he auditioned at the same time as Sylvester McCoy to be the seventh Doctor, and seems to have been quite a quite a fellow. Tell us about Ken. Uh, no, no, he just
1: he's up for a Kuiper, Ken, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Uh, I also worked with Sylvester on a show. We did a, a Ken Coat show called School for Clowns. And he turned up one day and he said, I mean, Ken's, Ken's premise was, would always be no, just get up and do it. So for lizard acting in um, uh, Doctor Who, I found that quite helpful. I did do some research, but mainly it was get up and do it. Um, and he'd say, "No, no, just dare, you know, see what you can come up with." And then one day, while I was working with on School for Clowns, he turned up and, said, and he said, "By the way, um, you've got no props, no props today. Your uh, assistant stage manager, who's on work experience, has run off with everything." Uh, so I thought, I thought I'd just let her have it all. So <laughs> we we then did this show with Sylvester. I think it was in uh, Hackney, Victoria Park. We were doing it outside, for a mad science fiction piece. And he said, just mime everything that you do normally in the show. And we did it, and it was electric. I mean, because we were miming everything from parachutes to cutlery, chairs, you know, and we just pretended everything was there. And so he, he would like, he, he said, no, I and at the end of the show, he said, that no, was really entertaining. Because he said, if it's not entertaining, you'll see me wandering off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was quite a good guide to how how to work, and, and if you do it in a park or a pub working with Ken, uh, he would always sit get up or go out, and I mean, occasionally he would say to people, no, start that scene again, I couldn't hear you, and people did, so it was sort of, he was sort of um, dangerous.
0: And didn't you do The Warp? Wasn't that I did the, the Warp, which is a 24 hours?
1: hour show, yeah, I mean everything, I was doing a kids show in the middle, uh, The White Deer at the Arts Theatre. Um, but uh, yeah no. so you literally turned up started off the thing you learnt a bit and we, yeah, it was 24 hours and, you, and we had the I Say Cinema you could go and get a half hour sleep or something in between but it was for real and the, I mean Russell Denton who played it he's never done any other job since but he had a bit of a breakdown I think after, sadly but Ken used to say now the only reason you have got the job Russell is because you've got a photographic memory and you're the only person mad enough to do it and then I remember and then came to do casting because we did it as sort of Ten two-hour shows to start with, and then we had different bits of music in between. So you could have have the. And he said, "Oh, you can be in the last show, but you've got to do a whirling dervish and impersonate people." And I said, "Well, I'm doing a show in the afternoon. Can I? I Can't possibly see them. No, it doesn't matter. Just make it up. But the whirling dervish has to be really dangerous." So a lot, a lot of the time you, were, you learnt to do sort of quite dangerous theatre and you, it allowed you to do stuff you'd never normally do. It's not, a lot of it was unrehearsed um, so you, or you literally just learnt it on your own and, and they get out there. So I wouldn't choose to do that now but it was a really good experience.
0: So how did you find
1: yourself there? What was your background and, and were you always going to be an actor? Uh, I wasn't, no, I did a law degree. Uh, but I did, a, I thought, and at the time I was in the National Youth Theatre uh, and then they had a professional company called the Dolphin Theatre Company. But at that time you had to be a member of the union and they offered me an equity card when I finished. Barry Keefe wrote me a partner in a play um, called Here Comes the Sun with Kate Buffery and Clive Mantle and Tim McInerney. So, I mean we were all, and Tim Spall actually. Wow. It was a sort of, a, it was a year, a golden year of, but anyway. So I managed, and I was sort of a character actor before my time. Um, but I, I did that, enjoyed that, and then I met Ken because I used to. I thought, well, I, I don't know about acting, so on a Saturday morning I used to go for acting lessons at Morley College, which is near Lambeth North. Uh, and it used to be, they used to do it in the four people taught. There was Jack Shepherd, Richard Wilson, and Ken Campbell, and I can't remember the Paul Thompson. The four people that taught. So each, you know, and you did the whole day there, and then you had to do a production at the end. But Ken was. That's how I met Ken. and He said, Oh, you can come and be in one of my shows. And the first show I ever did for him was a thing called The End End Is Nigh, at the New End Theatre, which is in Hampstead. And he said, no, just turn up, I'll go through with it. Turn up at 7 o'clock and I'll go through it with you. And at 7.30 came, and I heard this announcement. Um, It said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the part of Jesus tonight will be played by Richard Hope, as Dave Hill's got a better job. Anyway, and then I thought, blimey. And I said, because Jim Broadbent said it, I said, Jim, so what, what am I doing? He said, you're playing Jesus. There's a loincloth and a wig over there. I said, but I don't know, but where do I come on? And I, I didn't know where I come. And Neil Cunningham was an actor around at that time. And he, I came on at the wrong time. And Jim waved me off. And as I walked around the back of the stage to go into the other side, I heard him ad lib. Oh, I think I've just seen Our Lord by the woodpile. LAUGHTER I couldn't then walk on. So, but at this point, I had the script. And the second night, Ken was at the back, and I could see he was there. And all the lights went out, and I carried on because. And, uh, and at the end of it, he said, "No, just testing." <laughs> <laughs> so he he was like that. Wow. dangerous. So yeah, real so, yeah. and so he was a real maverick. Yeah, and um, you know, I saw him about a week before he died. You know, and he was talking then about lots of people that he'd worked with and always trying to get the walk back on. And it was never done even successfully, even with his daughter Daisy playing it. It was hard for anybody to learn all that. A lot of Alan Cox had a go. and I mean, very good, but it, they, I don't think they always completed it. You know, so it was, it was dangerous. Yeah.
0: Well, then we talked just before we started um, about your, your first telly, which was uh, Secret Army.
1: Secret Army, yes. In fact, I'd done, we did do one of the youth theatre shows before that, um, which was By Common Consent, which we televised. But at Secret Army, yes, I did do that a little bit. And that was a sort of a culture with Ken Ives directing. good director. And a sort of uh, iconic series of its time, yeah. But my very first proper job, TV job, was with Olivier. I did uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday.
0: Because
1: I didn't really know. I thought that was just a one-off. And um, he was in it and producing it. And we rehearsed at the Old Vic. And I remember when we... I just, I'd never done any... TV properly before then, and uh, we all turned up. And at lunchtime, there was a full buffet lunch with waitresses, with sort of the full outfit. I thought, oh, this is rather good. This is showbiz. I should do more of this. Only to discover, obviously later on, you, you never got this <laughs> lunchtime service. But it was an amazing piece. and amazing to work with him because, I, and I spent a lot of the time every day telling. I had to come up with a new joke every day, uh, and I ended up with a lot of Um, because at the time he had um, colon cancer so I had a lot of bowel jokes that most people thought were in bad taste but he loved them so and in fact he was really kind to me and helped me get onto Brideshead after that you know so playing Hooper yeah so that was yeah
0: which was an, another sort of iconic that was, show. Yeah. Did, did you know at the time?
1: You know? No, no, no. At the time, everybody said, because there had been a big strike, so we'd started it. And In fact, I played two parts in Brighthead. I played a, a student at Oxford with Michael Lindsay hogg directing, and then Charles Sturridge took over. There was about a six, seven-month break while there was a strike on at Granada. And I'd said at the interview, could I play... They said, which part do you want to play? And I said, oh, Hooper, and they all laughed at me. And then, anyway, seven months later, they came back and said, "We we can cut out all but 20 seconds of you as a student, uh, but would you like to play Hooper still?" I said, "I'd love to, yeah." So that's how I got to play Hooper. Wow. Yeah. So.
0: So and you think was that was that a combination
1: of Olivier and your own part, or was that? Uh, I think they'd obviously decided from what you, what I'd done by then, yeah. Right. I mean, I, he helped obviously introduce me to the show originally. You know. And then, and he was on it. So obviously, when he was on set, I said hello. And and it's quite interesting because having done the other job with him before, I thought he was a really nice man. He had a wicked sense of humour. So he was always quite naughty. Um, and nobody ever hears that side of him. I don't think. I mean, we were talking about him being, you know, the, over the top or whatever. But I, I mean, he was slightly over the top, but he was very real in what he did. And, but as a person, he was very, very kind to me and very funny. I mean, when we were staying in Manchester at the Midland Hotel there, at supper, one day they had these huge fire extinguishers around the dining room, and he said, go on, set one of those off. <laughs> I said, I know you can't, I can't. He said, go on. So obviously, having worked with Ken Campbell, I did. I got up and sprayed people with these huge, it was just water in them at those days. I finished and I got a round of applause and I sat back down to supper. And uh, he said, see, you got away with it you're with me. And that was perfectly true. If I'd done it on my own or whatever, you'd never... You'd you know, yeah. But everybody in the room accepted that that's what... Because I was at his table, table you know. It was, but it was completely a mad thing to do, of course.
0: Well, mm. I'm interested in this risk-taking that you, you, you credit Campbell with. So if you haven't worked with Campbell, are the, are the things that you have done to get jobs
1: or done during jobs that you wouldn't have done? Well, the, literally, the... Well, that's Doctor Who. I love the danger of Doctor Who and not knowing... Uh, say on the warp, I remember because we researched it, we met a lot of people who were heavily into UFOs uh, or who'd been abducted, and I, I just believed every minute of them. And, and Ken used to do that and sort of meet people, and we had the, you'd have them around for tea or they'd come to see a show, and you know, so it developed. So I, I've always had this fascination with the unexplained, um, the risk taking, I mean, I still do it now. Uh, but I'd love to do a show where it's dangerous. So I joined a company called Complicité, which is a theatre company. Um, and that was, and everybody at the time said, oh, don't join them. Don't, that's a really weird fringe group. But of course now it's sort of mainstream. Um, but then it was sort of... And I'd worked with a French company called Le Grand, Ma- Le Grand Magic Circus, which was similar in many ways, but most of them were naked, whereas uh, Complicité, you kept your clothes on. And then recently, I've just done Orlando in Manchester, playing Queen Elizabeth was one of the parts, and that's you know you think oh will I will I pass you know get away with it? I think you know I did, so I really enjoyed it. So because I just like the idea that you're doing something from what you away from what you'd normally do, and you're not pigeonholed, you know. Whereas for I think sadly now, especially people coming out of drama schools, you're, you're pigeonholed from the start you know people say oh, i'm always playing posh people well often that's what they are whereas i think when i started you were, you weren't expected to play you thought you could play everything but you were going to play within your range but it was open it was much more open but now it's very much like a commercial casting you walk in the room and you're either right or wrong uh, which is sad really and i think it's doctor who does take risks with people so I appreciate that. Well,
0: well there aren't many lizards, lizard actors currently working no, in the
1: no, UK. So. No, I, I think I came up, came up with lizard work. I mean, I did a series comm- I remember the risk-taking thing. I went up for a series of commercials for Uncle Ben's in the 80s and 90s. And everybody, they couldn't cast it at all. And they came up with this idea. They wanted it as a chef. And at that time, nobody really knew what to do. So people said, oh, bring a recipe. So everybody turned up with recipes. And they had cookers there and everything else. I turned up with nothing. And they said, so what are you going to do? I said, well, I'm just going to I'll talk you through this. So they started recording. I said, I'm going to show you with a saucepan. And you have to get to a cupboard. And then you get to the sink and you fill it up with water. So mainly, you, the thing is now just to boil water. And some people, you can then listen to the radio or whatever while that's happening. And then you get a bag of Uncle Ben's, cut the top off and put it in water. And then take it out after two minutes and it's done. <laughs> and they laughed. And that was because of that, I got the job. Brilliant. Do you know what I mean? It was sort of, so I'd got no, I came with nothing. And I hadn't prepared to do that. But at the interview, they said it was because you were so off the wall. Um, and it was very straight, you know, the way I was delivering it. But just telling people how to boil water. You know. uh, and, of course, everyone else
0: would have gone to film and not been as memorable.
1: Yeah, no, and everybody... Well, everybody bought bags of shopping and, yeah. And I, I don't know how to compete with this, you know.
0: Go the other way.
1: Yeah. So, it's, you know, but... You're either right, a lot of the time you're either right or wrong. And so um, I often work with directors again who know you, but often you can come over, I come over, I must admit, somebody was too wacky. I was told I was too wacky, too smiley, um, because I've got a smiley face. And so I was at school, I was always sent outside. um, And I'd always meet the headmaster in the corridor. He said, Why are you outside? What are you doing out here? And I said, Oh, being sent out, sir. And he said, Well, why are you being cheeky, sir? Come see my study so I'd always get extra punishments because he thought I was being cheeky to him you know he's just got a smiley face (laughs) (laughs) you know so it's bizarre but I I, who else do I sort of give credit to I mean lots of people have helped me Richard Eyre David Hare I was in their they had companies at that time at the National so you were with them for you learn from really nice people uh, beside Olivia Tony Hopkins I did did Pravda with him for two years you know Playing a part that, uh, two different parts. One is Bill Smiley. I thought, what an original name for me. Thank you, David. <laughs> that was David here. And then he, he promoted me to Eaton and Sylvester. Because again, that was one where Bill Nye played it for the first block. And then he said, Oh, no, we're looking for somebody who can do an Australian accent. And I said, oh, Well, I can do an Australian accent. He said, No, 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 somebody proper. So eventually, about a week before they were about to start rehearsals, he said, Come up to my office then. And I did this Australian accent for him. And he got Richard and he said, Oh, okay, you do it. Great. Yeah, so do you know what I mean? So sometimes I thought they do, people do take risks, because I'm not always an obvious choice. Um, but I think once people have used you, then they're, they're glad to. And now I'm really pleased to that I'm working with younger directors and, and trying to put, give some of that back. Yeah. Uh, I'd recommend, you know, Polly Findlay and uh, Lindsay Turner, and I've just worked with Max Webster. So, all really nice, very bright young directors. Um, so you, you you're not the, just the token old fart in a company, you know. But I really, so I really enjoyed the work still.
0: Well, and your, your your TV credits are, are many varied and hefty. So. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, no, lucky. You know, it's lucky stuff. In um, trying to think of things that people would riff so, riff-raff element. Riffraff element. I'm hoping that's going to happen again. Oh, really? Yeah. And I'm working... The person who did the screenplay for that, Debbie Horsfield? Yeah. She's just done the adaptation of Poldark, which I've got a small part in running through. Yeah. And we're hoping, because I know she's written the next lot of scripts, 20 years on after the original Riff Raff element. Wow. Uh, and if Poldark is a success, then hopefully Riff Raff might come back. But it was... And I said, well, what about my character that came out at the very end, you know, from the, emerged from the wardrobe, as he put it, she said, oh, we haven't told anybody else. You just told your wife, played by Celia Rimri. And I said, well, what, she was pregnant. She said, oh, yeah, so all the children now in it are all young and they're all, uni- all students at university. And you, you brought this child out and they think that you're the parent, proper parent. Ah... So that's, quite, I, that's the hook for... That's where, a good hook. Yeah.
0: Now. But it's interesting that we're talking about Doctor Who Hold Up, Riff Element. Is there something about television that is recycling a lot of
1: things? Um, I don't know. I suppose the one before, Yeah, before that I did a little bit of Great Train Robbery and a little bit... I've just done a thing with uh, Roger Michel on uh, The Lost Honour of Christopher Jeffries. You know, nice little character parts and really nice... But nice directors to work for. Yeah. So i always... i try and choose nice scripts... Or hopefully people will ask me just to do. So I don't mind doing a small bit in one and then a big bit in another. But theatre-wise, I've done some really nice stuff. You know, t- uh, noises off with my frame We thought you know that's coming. I suppose the highlight so far would be would have been playing Pierre in War and Peace at the Cottesloe, which was in the end of the eight, early 90s. Um, and I hope to do some more stuff on Tolstoy as it come, you know, as they get older. Sure. Um, yeah, because I've always, I've, I, I really like that
0: era, the Russian, yeah. We um, we nominally um, convened to talk about Doctor Who, so tell me how you're introduced to um, the possibility of playing Malachy,
1: the, the, the Silurian Doctor. I can't, I think somebody just said, oh, do you want to be in Doctor Who, do you, do you mind being a monster? I went, oh no, I'd love to. And said, so I don't know quite how my name came up. And the next thing I'm doing, I'm going for a, uh, fitting at the, sort of getting your mask done and I thought oh this is this must be quite, they must be keen so you know I think by then I'd off, been offered the job and what I did so I didn't quite know what it was, I think there were meant to be nine Silurians because they wanted to revamp the Silurian yeah. from the original um, and they got a wonderful designer on it and Millennium had done the uh, prosthetics So, and I thought you know we are going to be there for weeks but actually it was very quick the way they did it but knowing then that that's an expensive process. I then turn up on set, or then by then I knew there were only going to be three of us, so there was Stephen Moore, myself, and Neve, <laughs> and everybody else was just in the, the sort of hockey masks yeah. and, and netting. So I mean, I'd love to do more, and uh, it's just a, what it does. It's sort of you're in a funny world playing a monster because people who know you before you put your uh, the, the makeup on, which takes about three and a half hours treat you like a, an actor then when you're on there you're treated like an actor but you're the monster and uh, when you come off people don't know who you are at all so they more say like, what are you doing around here they get very suspicious okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like you're I mean it's quite nice really because you're nobody which is a an interesting place to be and so when, but when you've got your makeup on you could, you're could you more or less free to do what you want and directors have said you know you know more what the monster will do and um, See what you come up with. So I, I just do that. Can, can you understand,
0: uh, or, or had you anticipated the the level of interest there would be
1: from the from... genre? No, not at all. And, or even the Silurian. I thought, well, it's really good that they're going to bring the monsters back. But I had, we, had, I'm sure, even Neve had no idea that the Silurians would be so popular. Um, and and, spe- and then you see that at conventions, and seeing the first person dressed up as you. At a event, I was shocked <laughs> and I thought this is, I'm just playing a monster um, you know you're nobody special but they really enjoyed the character or whatever and you know it's, it's, it's quite flattering like that but I, I, I quite like it because it's like another s- string to your bow And you're completely unknown and you start again so you have a completely new fan base um, and the nice thing is they've come to see sh- other shows that I'm in of course. so that they, sort of it's reciprocal um which I really appreciate. You know, you, you never know which, and you never know which projects are going to work at the time. Um, I'm really pleased that Doctor Who's sort of has gone to hit the, strat- the stratosphere. Really, the way that it's sort of taken off.
0: And um, and I assume you didn't know you'd be
1: coming back, and you've come back twice. No, they said I got a phone call. They said, would you like to come back to Doctor Who? I said would you, uh, I said no, but I was killed. They said, and they said, uh, yeah, but this is Doctor Who. And I, and I came back and then I, I found the story confusing when I came back but actually when you saw it I really understood it so I thought well I can't I haven't got the brain to go with that so I'll, I'll, I'll leave the powers that be to, to sort that one through and, I, and in fact I loved it you know I, and that's why I think because you sort of um, leap through time and I've actually met people who think they can do that I found it I found it no problem you know I thought yeah I'll go with this and, it, and actually because it's, it has an appeal because you can be anywhere at any time on that thing. And anybody from any episode, from any of the eras or any of the Doctors can appear. And that's what's so interesting. You've got a, a sort of huge library of casts there that can come back, even if they were killed. Yes. And that's, what, that's the interesting thing because you just shift time and, you know...
0: But the, uh, one thing I've discovered doing this is that a lot of actors who say were in Doctor Who back a day when you were working in television when it was um, you rehearsed for a week outside filming inside studio tape uh, uh, videotape etc you know, etc et bemoan the way that television has changed but a lot of them aren't working in television anymore you've managed to do both as, as an actor do you feel now that we lose something from performances because of the way that it has changed or is that just
1: people being nostalgic for the
0: way things used to be done
1: I think you end up now with people playing the parts that are more or less them with no rehearsal with rehearsal you could develop a a storyline or more of the subtext or the sub-subtext I mean I for sitcoms and things like that they still do rehearse those but even so I think what's quite interesting Poldark they're having rehearsals Uh, so I think some people would like to bring some of that back and again, the BBC had a wonderful facility at Acton, where it was like a machine. but things came in. You didn't have that fear when you suddenly are on set and you have to perform, and you're offering something. You've got no idea whether who's going to like it, whether or not it's pitched right for a director, or then for the jury to decide when they see rushes. Um, so I'd like some rehearsals. But then, there, if you're filming now, there is more. There seems to be time to rehearse. I mean, Bride said we didn't have rehearsals actually but we had we had months in a big house in Yorkshire so there was always time to go through the script and providing I mean I did a little bit in a film recently with Michael Caine I played I had one scene with him but I had all the dialogue and he had the punchline at the end basically and it's a a sort of little character that could be cut or kept but anyway they kept it in the film which is called Mr Morgan or Last Love Mr Morgan's Last Love Uh, and it was a European thing anyway and I was doing this and I thought well do I ask Michael Caine do I re- can we rehearse it or are we just shooting you know because fortunately for me I knew the cameraman from before so it was that was helpful so I didn't feel quite as intimidated but anyway when he, he did come up to me and said do you want to do the lines and uh, and I did them and, uh, and he said another, and I had another couple of goes and then we shot it so in that respect it was quite you know it was, it was nice that people he was aware that things do get better or You've got more options if and, uh, even a director then you can see something you've worked on. Whereas I think a lot of the, I mean, people now, the, the, the fashion is to mumble your lines and uh, <laughs> and then go. hopefully it'll work out in the edit. But, so I end up in a lot of shows, I've ended up in a lot of shows where I don't think I'm speaking at all or really focused in the scene. They always cut away to me reacting because then they can cut in on another shot. So people don't tend to sustain scenes as long as they used to. You know, they'll do a few lines and then cut away. You know, whereas sometimes it can be very powerful if you you hold on to somebody for a couple of minutes uh, and just shoot, or do a slightly wider shot where you're reliant on the two actors. Um, I'm trying to think, I think Woody Allen shoots a lot of stuff wider. Hitchcock always used to do that. So... And I like that, I think that it's slightly theatrical that you're having to remember it and you're remembering a scene and you're playing a scene. So, that you, and you use the point of conflict rather than doing a line at a time and hope you've got a good editor.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't know, maybe that's out of hand. No, that's good. That's uh, that's... Uh... <coughs> well, I've been, a couple of things where I've, I've consciously, the director said, look, we're gonna have to shoot you. I'm sorry, you don't say anything in this scene, but can we shoot it all the way through?
0: Certainly got an option. Yeah. And what about, um, just qu- quickly back to Doc 2, because of uh, thinking about this way of working, Matt Smith's performance is great, isn't it? Yeah,
1: I thought, well, he. Ha- I think the pressure on him to, because it's so, t- the, the actual lines, the actual the, the slog of learning those lines, technical stuff, unusual stuff, and then delivering on the day. I, f- I found him amazing, the way that he did that. Very professional, very uh, professional. And also the nice thing about him was that he took responsibility for the show and welcomed people into the company, you know, whoever came in. And that doesn't always happen now. You often got people who are playing their own part and that's it. They couldn't care if you... you, you whatever. So I'm always conscious when I'm doing theatre stuff, especially, that I'm always trying to be... Uh, well, not difficult, but, you know, so you're sort of there complimenting whatever's happening or offering stuff. So you don't block... You know, that thing where a lot of actors, you can either end up, especially sort of mayor, being a character, you can end up blocking and not doing the improvisations or poo-pooing the exercises. I love to do all those, because I think it's interesting the way that a group dynamic then works. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I love lizard, lizard acting. <laughs> I mean, it's it's great, because you said once you've got your, sort of the outfit on, you... It takes, it takes you over sort of thing
0: and do you do the I've got on video a, a, a wonderful Parkinson of Alec Guinness talking about walking around the zoo and walking like certain birds do
1: you observe animals? I, I did observe lizards but I, then I thought I wasn't sure what the Silurians do and then he was a professor and he's into genetics all that sort of thing and I thought well I sort of I wandered around Bart's Hospital and I went, then went up to London Zoo and just had a look but yeah then I sort of made up my own what I'd do and I think the element, then, is whatever you come up with. And, so it's, um, and it's obviously, there's an element, it's just a very, Malachi is a very warm, bright doctor who just happens to be working on bodies. You know, so for his sort of uh, society and culture, it wasn't wrong to do that. It's only when he comes to Earth or meets the human side that he's made to question that, you know. what Art and, context. Yeah, and he meets a friend in the Doctor, you know. And again, working with Matt, I mean, he was up for... I like a bit of slapstick, uh, and he. we did something, I mean, I think maybe a couple of things have been kept in, but, so when you're with props and that sort of thing, I like to sort of try and use them all. Um, so technical stuff like the lasers and things like that, so I'd always try and make sure to try and put it, get it in to the front of a shot or, you know, that. I like that.
0: Well, and I, I'm about to exceed my time, so um, uh, returning lizards aside, is there anything that you would, you would, if we were to meet again in ten years' time, um, that you would
1: have done that would you go, oh yeah, good, that was on the agenda of things I really wanted to do? Um, I haven't uh, got a life plan or anything as such, I, I'm a, I'm not, I, I don't like to say a jobbing actor, but character actor, um, I like to do the best work possible with the best people possible and I've been very lucky to meet those and work with them and you know Doctor Who you know whatever ilk it is uh, TV film theatre radio it's, it's really just interesting to work with very different people with very dis- different disciplines and then say like Doctor Who bring all that together uh, and just from your experience create something from nothing you know you're just given a few bits of well Rubber and rubber and a, and a gown, and see what you can come up with. I like that, you know. And also, you, I admire the people that sort of trust that you will come up with something, you know, because the budgets are such now that you know, the special effects are huge. So you just hope that they're going to use what you you offer.
0: Have you seen what the scenario's used to look like?
1: No. Oh, yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they were, and I, and I think there was a conscious effort when I went from the meeting that they, we don't want to do it like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then you would have really And then they said, and the other thing, criteria in the meeting, I said, would you object to a long makeup? And I went, no, no. I love it, you know.
0: Well, um, you've kindly given your time. Um, so, would you like to nominate a charity for the listeners to donate to?
1: Oh, I think it's called the British Orthopaedic, <laughs> Just g- Orthopaedic Society. Um, because I had a new hip two yeah. years ago. I recommend the surgeon as well, but if I could a uh, Mr Haddad at UCH um, and I think he came around, because i have been working with physical theatres for all this length of the time, thinking I've got a bad back, and he, when I came around from the operation he said, no, he said, no, you haven't got a bad back, you've got Perth's disease I said, well, "What was that? And he said, well your hip hasn't developed, you should have had this tested at 14, and I said, oh right he said, and I've added one and a half inches to your left leg, so you should be back walking normally now and here I am two years on walking I haven't had no back pain ever since yeah. and
0: Doctor Who, this podcast was set up to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who so what is your message to the Doctor Who fans who've been following it for up to
1: 50 years um, I think just wonder, wonder for the next caper and I, I'd like to work with all the Doctors, I'm having worked with actually I haven't, that's one thing I haven't mentioned, Sylvester McCoy I've worked with quite a lot in the theatre and I did a long tour with Colin Baker, so I know them both very well, and Louise Jameson I've known over the years, so yeah. She's a good friend of mine. Yeah, well, we did um, the park with the RSC, so quality act. So we had a good giggle about that when we met up at a convention. Yeah, so you know, very good, you know, all quality actors really. And quality,
0: you have my
1: hopes. Yeah, I've I've not watched him actually yet because I've been actually doing other stuff. But yeah, no, good actor. Yeah, you know. I suppose I might, I'll try and audition one day for it. I, I quite like the fact that it's got old. I quite, I'd quite like the doctors rather than to always appealing to the youth audience. I think there is a bigger audience, a grey audience out there. And I, I may, i uh, maybe even audition for myself. Ken always said, Oh, you should audition for it, Richard, having played for Prefect. And Douglas Haddon was keen that I did. But I never happened because we had an incident in Hitchhiker's Guide. Um, yeah, I was. That's another story, Um, but um, yeah, no, I'd love to love to do something else in it, you know. And Malaki is great. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, until that happens, Richard Hope. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bless you. Thank you. I hope that was okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That
1: was great. You never know quite who the doctor's going to come back at. That was, um, I can tell you.
0: Thanks to Richard, uh, a very jolly fellow, and uh, I had a great time in his company. Uh, his charity, interesting, I couldn't find an orthopaedic society. Um, I found Orthopaedic Research UK, which is www.oruk.org. Orthopaedic Research UK. Um, but he wasn't, especially being specific, I don't think. So an orthopaedic charity of your choice. Um, a reminder of my Virgin Giving page, Toby at Virgin Giving for the run. I was gonna say fun run. There's nothing fun about a lolloping old galumph like me trying to do 10K which I'm doing for the Psoriasis Association which you can find on my Virgin Giving not just giving, Virgin Giving page for the Psoriasis Association I'd appreciate it if you could bum me a few quid as it might be the last thing I ever do uh, I have got time though to edit and transmit a few more who's rounds there'll be another one at the same time uh, next week probably unless uh, other big finish uh, things need to be um, released in their stead but anyway, at some point soon there'll be another the person talking to me about Dr. Who and telling me why they're doing so. Till then, thanks for listening and ta ta.
1: Listen to me. There are
0: things in here with us that are not of this planet. Ah. Ah.
1: Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, Nightshade. We're missing something. What is it? I see the creature from my old series.
0: Poor Lawrence believed that the ghost of his late brother appeared to him. Your security guard and Jack Prado. What did they see? What's that? <laughs> oh, 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 Bob! Is that you? Oh.
1: What the hell is that? I don't know, but we need to move now. Hurry, Miss Mason. We are being bombarded by data from space. Maybe it's... invaders from Mars. That's your province, not mine. At least in the real world. Look at
0: all that energy pouring from it. What do you need? (laughs) Need? Yes, we've established that. What is it that you need? Oh, something's breaking through the wall. Son, I, I think we better get out of here. Sharp. Oh. No! No! Oh, dear yeah. God. You see it's them. Into the corridor. Run now. <sighs> Looks like there's a storm coming. Big finish. We love stories. <laughs>